Hello, good evening, and welcome to this platform about my country. How many of you have seen it already? And how many of you are seeing it imminently? Excellent. Seeing it tonight, I take it. Excellent. Well, I've seen it, and I really enjoyed it. Um, last July, as you may well know, Rufus Norris, the director of the National Theatre, called the e-referendum result a huge wake-up call for the arts and announced that he was going to commission a new work that was responding to the deep divisions that had been exposed by the result. Um, and he commissioned radio interviews with citizens around the UK, so no cameras, um, the idea being to get more intimacy from that. And those verbatim interviews formed the basis of this drama, My Country, which was created in collaboration with the poet laureate Caroline Duffy. Um, and um, Porik Kusak is a project producer. Now, one of the things you said, um, Rufus, was we must listen and art will follow from that. So what was it you wanted to capture? Um, well, in a way, that, that the, point, the point is that we didn't know. I think, you know, when, when, that, when the referendum happened, um, it was sort of a, a tale of two Fridays for Prague and I, because the referendum happened, but immediately after it, not immediately after it, a, a few days, a week later, we brought to culmination a project that we'd been working on for a couple of years called We're Here Because We're Here, which was... I don't know if any of you are aware of it, but Jeremy Della worked with us in 1418 Now and theatres, 27 theatres all over the country, in bringing out um, young men, 1,500 young men uh, dressed as World War I soldiers, just appeared all mm -hmm. over to mark the 100th anniversary of the first day of the Battle of the Somme. Uh, and they appeared silently. And it was something that we'd been working on, as I said, for quite a long time. And, and you know, it was the 100th anniversary. It was always going to be on that day. But it just happened to fall a few mm. days after the referendum um, and was immensely powerful. It, I think it probably would have been powerful anyway, uh, and it really caught the public imagination. But it, but, but it felt particularly poignant at that time because everybody was feeling so upset and divided and, and there was so much kind of discussion and rancor and uh, division. And, and the simple fact is we'd, just been, we'd literally just been working uh, with people all over the country. So it wasn't... Uh, I was very struck immediately after the referendum by a lot of um, people getting very cross, obviously, and shouting. Uh, and, and there was quite a lot of noise in, in London. I, and, uh, you know, I, I was, I'm happy to say on record I'm a very... I'm a steadfast Remainer. I absolutely you know, uh, uh, believe in us being part of Europe. I don't believe, uh, particularly from an artistic point of view, in it having any boundaries at all. Um, and we as an organisation are going to behave... Uh, well, we have stepped up our relationships with Europe uh, in the wake of that and will continue to do so more. However, that's just, that's just me and the country voted the way that it went. And, it, and I was surprised... Uh, by the vitriol that was coming from a lot of um, the, the arts leadership here uh, in response to that. Um, and even though that's what I personally was feeling, it, you know, I can't believe it, how did that happen, grr, etc. It, it, it was very clear with any amount of self-knowledge that the, that the thing to do was to not was to not carry on doing exactly what uh, a lot of the country was accusing us of having done, which was uh, be the metropolitan elite telling the rest of the country how to how to live. Because um, uh, so we should say the deliberate decision that it, London is not in the voices no. in this play, it's, it's gone out. I mean, let's talk a bit about the structure. You know, it's 
it's kind of structured as, as Britannia kind of embodies um, on stage, um, convening a gathering of the nations and the regions, and there are ballot boxes, so it's sort of like a civic office, but there's something symbolic going on. Tell me how you came up with this framing idea. That well, actually, what, what, where, where that came from really was, because we didn't know, we, we knew we had seven regions, really, that we were going to, and we'd, we'd sent out, probably had identified, uh, in a way, it, this is a small-scale tour, so you can't really, we'd have, we'd, it would be great to have 21 actors representing 21, you know, we'd really get the whole country covered in a more, uh, uh, in perhaps more... Well, let's be honest, you sent me way. out on that mission first. <laughs> to get a lot more regions. We were, yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was lining up 100. Um, and then he realised he had actually quite a lot of work to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we kind of scaled back a wee bit. It's, it's Caledonia, you know, the Hibernia, so it's sort of Scotland, Wales, um, East Midlands. Yeah, East Midlands, North, North East, East South Southwest, 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 Northern Ireland. And Northern, Northern Ireland. Ireland. Yeah. yeah. So six, six regions of Britain and Britannia. This is not, the, the, there aren't too many spoilers here. This is all, you'll, you'll get this within five minutes of the show mm. starting. Um, so, uh, Oh, where were we? So yeah, well, we, do we. Well, I suppose it's the idea of framing it that this way, you know, and, and it, it is, is like yeah. a kind of gathering yeah. of of civic officers, isn't it? Well, so they come on in suits, even if they're then going to start speaking the words of ordinary citizens. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, verbatim can be very dry, uh, and um, and though that's interesting, it it, it in in one <laughs> sense we did want to find some kind of framing framing device, and one thing that was very powerful actually when when. Uh, the first meeting that we had when the the, the gatherers went out in two lots, probably got, uh, uh, initially identified four places, and we had a get-together, and he, and he found the people to go out. They went out. They interviewed 10 or 12 people each, and then they came back here, and we had a sharing where they mm. said, okay, I'm going to introduce you to Pat, and he's this, and here's five minutes mm. of Pat, and I'm going to show you, well, I've got Rhiannon here, and she's... Um, and what really struck me at that meeting was the passion of the gatherers as much as the material that they gathered, that each of them was saying it was a huge privilege to spend however many hours with each of these people and just talk and be taken into their confidence. Uh, and of course, what you, what you find when you listen to somebody is you understand where they're coming from. So, so their, you know, their, their politics maybe wildly different from yours, but when it becomes personal, it, it, um, all that stuff falls away, and you just, uh, for, for one, you can understand much more clearly where somebody's coming from. So I wanted to replicate that sense, that passion that those gatherers had. Um, you know, if you had one of them here, none of the gatherers are in here, are they? <laughs> you never no. know, they pop no. up. <laughs> um, uh, the, the, that... Uh, yeah, that they were very, you know, some of them were, were even saying to me, I don't feel entirely comfortable handing over this material to you because I have been entrusted by these people with their opinions and their honesty, and I don't know if I can trust you. And I wanted to replicate that. And, that, and now our actors are as vehemently defensive of all of their 
10, 12, 15 voices. Well, they contain their voices. I mean, it's, it's genuinely mm -hmm. quite fascinating how each actor is performing well, up to five parts, are they? It, well, it's, it's, up it's up to 12 or 13. And they jump around, five. but you yeah. soon get to realise who's speaking. I, mean, I had particular affection for there's the, the guy from the West Country who thinks that if everyone was just a bit stoned all the time, <laughs> things <laughs> would be fine. <laughs> and, and I wondered, was there an element of sometimes you did see hints of stereotypes coming out and whether to go with them because it was who they were. I mean, I think we tried really hard when, when we were training up all our gatherers. Um, we were very keen to get as, as broad a cross-section of people so that we didn't get the same sort of themes in the same uh, form coming time and time again. Um, so to have you know, a wide age range, uh, gender mix. Young, was he, that Pardon? That person was quite young. Because I was... Yeah. It's not always... That's part of what was quite interesting, because you can't always tell how old they are. Um, yeah. Although yeah. sometimes they give away clues, so it kind of slightly anonymizes them, doesn't it, the process? Yeah. It, it, well, and, and to, for some of them, that was also quite important to... Um, in order to get a real honesty from them, uh, anonymity was, was quite vital. Um, but, it, you know, we, we had a range of questions that we were asking reasonably consistently right across the board so that we ended up with themes um, that were consistent right across the UK that then provided a bit of material, uh, sufficient material for Car Caroline to, I suppose, frame it in, at times it almost sounds like conversations between these people, which is her brilliance, really. So talk, talk me through her involvement then. So how did she take... Did you sort of give her some extracts, or did she look at everything and then form a, a structure? Um, <coughs> she, yes, yeah, she, she absolutely. Uh, I mean, it. I don't know. It kind of went. It went in layers. We had something called an Uber doc, which was a which was a very quickly transcribed document of everything, which was probably a hundred pages long. Um, and uh, then we had all the audio all the audio files of all of them, and then the gradually we got the real transcriptions because to to trans transcribe everything in in infinite detail is a really really complicated process. Yeah. So we had a sort of rough document uh, that we used as a starting point. I mean, we went through we went through three or four complete script changes really. I mean, uh, and uh, and the script didn't settle until about a week before we came into the. Theatre and even and even then, you know, changes were made to the last minute. But really major. No, we're going to scrap all of that. Now we're going to start again. Um, and she, I mean, Caroline talks very uh, because, funnily enough, she's quite poetic. She she, <laughs> <laughs> she she talks about human music, and where I uh, where I would get very boringly obsessed with kind of structure and all this kind of stuff. She she'd go, yeah, yeah, why don't you? tell them where to stand and I will arrange this human music <laughs> in a way which makes some kind of musical sense to her ear. Well, it's funny you should say that because I was thinking of Under Milk Wood at times, you know, because some of the characters as the play progresses start to tell stories from their past. You know, the, mm -hmm. is it the woman from the North East remembers the different kinds of sheep. That's and right. Yeah, yeah. And, and they, they yeah. you don't have shepherds operating the same way anymore. Um, and and it was, it was you, there was a sense that you'd allowed, or she, maybe she had said, let's go with this story, because it's not strictly talking about the referendum, but you're suddenly delving into the dreams and the, the nostalgia that people have, which isn't necessarily just about Britishness. It's something more um, abstract or emotional. But also a lot of those things that have changed as a consequence of, of the EU. Yeah. Um, and, and th you know, that was what was so wonderful about allowing people to talk about their 
their origins, their, the region that they lived in, with no agenda at the beginning, because it may have appeared that they rambled, but actually it gave a, a real context to their world. Uh, and then as you started to hone in on, you know, how do you feel about Britain? Do you have a voice? Um, how would you, uh, do you feel you've got any power? And ultimately, how do you feel about Brexit? Um, it, it all was like a crescendo up to that, but starting with a, a very gentle introduction to it and, and giving you that context. Thinking again about the structure, um, because of the way that we see, you know, the, the kind of the lead performer, you know, embody Britannia at one stage kind of being dressed up. I, I, I was thinking about medieval morality plays. I mean, there's, there's a kind of great tradition, isn't there, of kind of public performance, which is somehow embodying something bigger than the than individual human being, something abstract. And I wondered how far that was something that was on Caroline's mind or on, on yours in, in creating something which, I mean, I've not quite seen the like of it before. It's fascinating how many forms there are in here. Well, there's huge kind of history to draw on, isn't there? And actually, I think, you know, I, I, I was trying to think, you know, it, it, it's interesting. There was a radio documentary about it um, last week, and it was interesting listening to that because you go, oh, bl blimey, I'd forgotten, you know, that that incredible Scottish, uh, you know, song that was an adaptation of a Burns or the, you know, the, 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 t the town I love so well, which is the song for Derry, London, Derry, but neither of which are in the show anymore sure, and all these uh, yeah. all these things you know we had we had a, we had a game of darts um, uh, as part of the show really right until the last minute in fact some of the rehearsal photos are of the dartboard or people playing darts and that got cut a day before we came in how come uh, I, d I can't remember it just didn't work you know <laughs> we, we d too dangerous <laughs> well no it was well they were rubbish at it any of them here <laughs> no, usually there's a couple of the cast that hang about these things um, uh, but uh, but but yes there's a reference to Morris dancing and there's and certainly the the, the kind of town square traditions of of theatre are something that we you know Caroline and I first met when we worked on Everyman uh, which is a morality oh. play um, two years ago at this at this theatre and um, and had a fantastic time working together. She's extraordinary, uh, but that deep deep love of this country and the country's traditions, you know, you looking at the way that people behave in Parliament, um, uh, you know, and, and all those kind of uh, you know deep deep historical um, aspects to our lives because we use the word nostalgia, and I think it is in a way one thing that comes through the piece for me is it is a is a deep nostalgia for community or for um a time pre-globalization uh when you had a uh you know and of course we, we all know that issues like immigration and membership of eu and giving away power to another country is it, it you know the, these all draw on the same on the same kind of fears and nerve endings but they're but there is a d underneath it, there's a, hu there's a huge and very deep love, I think, of this country. One of the things um, that came out, um, and I'd seen it in a, in a documentary, a factual documentary, which had done something similar, it had gone around the country. John Harris went around talking to people about why they'd voted leave. And these weird stories like, oh, bananas, I don't <laughs> want my bananas straight. This has this has real pa people say it it's one of the top three things that Johnson comes out. made it up when he was a journalist yeah and, and, and I think what was interesting and it's one of the things certainly one of the newspaper reviews mentioned is because of the way this piece works you you would 
you don't necessarily, well, it can't analyse where are people getting these opinions from. And some of these opinions you hear expressed in the play about immigration, about EU regulation, to anyone who's an informed journalist, just suggest the long-term, um, what's the word of it, corrosive impact mm. of tabloid lies. And there's no judgment made. But I wondered, was there anything you wish you could have done more to bring out the fact that people are saying this as if they know it and they sourced it, but they couldn't tell you where they got it yeah. from. Yeah, they th somehow believe it. I think it's true. I think, you know, um, I mean, if we were going to start again now, our, our set of questions and the strictness with which we would ask the gatherers to adhere to them, I think would be different. Yeah. And one of them would certainly be this issue because actually what we found um, in going through it, uh, there's Rosemary's over there who's the associate director on this, and we, <coughs> we and Carol, Caroline, the three of us, spent hours and hours and hours Sieving through and really un under the under the you know by trying to identify what the human music actually means means it's uh, I think what it means is what we came down to is when people's opinions are totally rooted in their experience one way or another um, and there's a real difference between that and when their opinions are rooted in something that they've picked up off Facebook news or off the Daily Mail or the Guardian or wherever they've got it from. And it's amplified in that echo chamber yeah. of social media. Of whatever that, I whatever their, their particular echo chambers are. And uh, what I would say is there is a certain amount of that in the show. There is literally hours and hours and hours of it on the cutting room floor. I mean, that was one of the big culls, wasn't it, of just getting rid of what is received and what is received I don't even, I don't want to say ignorantly it's too that's too um, that's too insulting but I information that you know is not correct mm. uh, unchallenged yes know, unchallenged maybe that's it or but also I think there was an element uh, listening to some of the material uh, you know when you followed the journey with uh, a particular uh, interviewee that at the beginning it was full of sound bites uh, and you quickly became aware that they'd never really interrogated uh, a theme in any great detail and didn't really know what they thought themselves. Uh, and there were one or two, I remember, was, I think it was Angela from Leicester, who progressively got more strident as she discovered this voice in herself. And, it, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily agree with everything she said, but it was quite exciting to s see somebody find their voice. And that's great. I mean, Angela, Angela, you will witness those of you who, who haven't, who will see it tonight. She is probably the most... Uh, she's she sits over there, <laughs> and uh, and she gets and she's quite strident, yeah. um, and and what she's but but the, but Angela is somebody who grew up on a particular street in Leicester, and during her lifetime has seen Leicester go from I don't know ten percent Im uh, immigrant to sixty percent, yeah. um, and and is angry about it, but what she has to say about immigration, I find. Um, I find entirely palatable because it's completely true to her experience. Whereas you get the, the ranger from Northumberland who's probably never met a black person in their life banging the table ab about it and you, and you go, no, you, this is just received. It's just, yeah. you know, this is just some <coughs> idea of, of something that you, you have been told is a threat. So you're picking, so actually dividing those and going, no, we, Angela can absolutely talk with authority about this because it's her experience. Do you think there's a case that perhaps the Remain side, which was in the end 48% of people who voted, was shortchanged in this because you've gone outside London? I mean, there are Remain voices in there, but it, it certainly felt that they are outnumbered. It, 
significantly. I, th I think it depends what you hear. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, th I think the, the balance is... It's really well funny you should say that, because I remember when I sat through the first... And am I wrong? I mean, are, are there technically equal numbers? Well, do you know what, do you remember what the exact score is? Because she, th that lady there actually <laughs> added them up line by line. Yeah, we tried really hard to get it even. But I remember when I listened, when, when you did the first run through, I thought Remain was dominant. And then I realised that actually it was only because that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> so I had to listen again. Well, there is, there is a whole issue about how people watch it and what their own beliefs and prejudices might affect. I mean, do you think people are, I don't know what audience reactions you've had so far, but do you sense that Remainers are coming with a fixed point of view and they're taking away different things to leavers? I, th I, I, hope, I hope not. I mean, I think most of the, most of the, the discourse or the, or, or, or the arguments that take place in the piece are things that we've heard already. You know, we're saturated in Brexit. You can't move without another, you know, Lord's vote or, you know, whatever. Everybody's t it, talking about it all the time. I'd, and, I, and I'm not sure that there's much information in the show that, that will be m radically uh, new to anybody. It's m I think it's more about uh, understanding that there are, co there are common themes and they're not the themes that we were told that they were. And what sort of things emerged as common themes, would you say, without necessarily giving away too much, but I don't think it does. I would say a longing for community, a, a protest against inequality of opportunity. Nobody says this. This is just spending hours and hours mm -hmm. with it and thinking that that's what comes through. Distrust of leadership, they all say very, very clearly. I mean, that that's not... Um, and also L London-centric versus the rest of the country. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's certainly what, what a lot of people felt. It was sort of an anti-metropolitan. Yeah. That's not something we focus on um, no. too much with it. With but when you listen to the interviews, which obviously you don't necessarily get in the play, but, yeah. but that was something that... Um, was quite it's evident. interesting that there are impersonations you know, of David Cameron and notably of Boris, who's captured wonderfully um, on stage, which suggest you know, um, the heritage of you know, cabaret or, or comedy club and then these songs too. What sort of tone were you going for? Because you know there are times where it's really funny. You know, people really did love when they recognised those who was on stage being impersonated. Oh, well, you know, I think people come to the theatre to be. There's lots of things that theatre can do, but it, but if it's if it's boring, then you don't achieve anything. And and humour is is often a great way. I mean, I love it when I'm in a show where where you know black humour or or you know, hu humour coming out of a very dark situation or just before one, you know, and you're, you're in a way, it's, it's uh, eyes on stalks, not bums on seats, isn't mm. it? That's the expression that you want an audience to be, uh, you know, to be engaged and, and with their focus forward. And, and often humour is a great way of, uh, of doing that. Also, people are funny, you know, they say funny things deliberately. Um, you know, uh, and someone like Boris, he's a clown. It's and not, you know, it's, I don't mean that. I'm not saying it's an yeah. insult. He uses it absolutely to maximum effect. And what was interesting watching that, I don't know, for those who've already seen it, if they felt the same, was the sense of horror growing each time he spoke on stage because the whole thing is he is bumbling and comic and the emptiness that lies behind some of these statements, well, I mean, having seen And also actions. what it was leading to as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also, quite, just answering your question tricky. from before, I, I slightly liken it to 
uh, an Irish, I'm Irish, um, wakes are a big thing for us. Um, <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, wakes are, and I think there's something that we're mourning in this play, the loss of what, you know, perhaps the United Kingdom was once upon a time. Um, and, uh, but wakes are wonderful things. You know, you cry, you, you, you berate, uh, uh, but you laugh. And also you have songs and you have food. And we do all of that in yes, this place. So really actually, it's completely up my street. Now, and, of course, <laughs> and of course, you'll know that there will be people, including commentators and national media, who will say, aha, this is exactly the problem with the National Theatre. You've decided it's awake. And um, <laughs> Boric and I were talking before we came on. I don't know how many of you listened to Front Row, which I present. I presented it last night. And they, we had a lever and a remainer on to review it. And the... the the lever from the spectator said, but Brexit is a great healing process. And, you know, you fundamentally misunderstood Brexit. And the idea that this was a fact is very different, isn't it, his opinion, to um, the concept of awake. And neither, I mean, one could argue that neither point of view is perhaps entirely fair. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, listen, I had a big issue with him, and I'm not going to go there, because <laughs> um, I just think he missed, missed the point uh, completely. But... Um, I mean, I just think there's, there's got to be a, a kind of a, a balance and a counterpoint I, I, in a piece like this. Um, and I think, um, I think what Rufus and, and Caroline have, have done is a, a very clever way. It's not telling us a, a anything new, I think, for the most part, um, but it's still provocative. Uh, and the big thing um, for me is that, uh, th that inability to, to listen. Um, that, uh, for me, anyway, a lot of politicians don't listen. And uh, um, that's a kind of a recurring theme th throughout the play um, and taking the time to, to actually hear. How have audiences been reacting? I came very early on, I think possibly even to the first night. And I felt, I mean, I loved it and I was laughing a lot. I felt the audience didn't quite know because they didn't know quite what it was going to be. They didn't laugh when I could tell they were finding it funny because they hadn't come to a comedy club. Mm. Um, but at times there was stuff happening on stage which if you were in a comedy club you would absolutely be letting yourself go and I wonder how far audiences have changed their reaction and what you make of what feedback you've got I think it varies yeah. a lot from night to night actually which is true of most shows um, but I think possibly particularly with this one people come with different expectations what, what's been great is to, is to Discover that most of the audience are very well informed, that they're, that they're or very engaged, that they're you know that they're really engaged with the with the whole uh, discussion. But if people are expecting Brexit, the play, in a way, um, that's you know somebody will write that in five years, David Hare or someone like that. Exactly. Um, well, we have to have Brexit first. We don't know much about it yet, do we? Well, yeah. that, well in a way, <laughs> that's... It's red, white and blue, though. Yeah. There's a brilliant, there's a brilliant quote. Uh, listen for the Scot... The Scotsman is a Scotsman, but he's, he's in the voice of a Scottish woman at the end. Uh, in fact, a Scottish-Turkish woman. Uh, just this little thing that he says at the end about Brexit means Brexit in response to when Theresa May turns up. Oh, no, you've got that. Um... Anyway, so I completely lost the... Uh, oh, lost we're talking about <laughs> how the audience reacts. Um, and how I, I sort of it, it feels a bit funny, those kind of questions go, this is how you should react to be a good audience. <laughs> I mean, in a way, part of the joy of it is that it's... Uh, it, I think it's very, very different. I, you know, what we, were, we were just talking beforehand about the fact that the, the press on it has been... You know, we've literally... It's quite odd when you wake up and you go, five-star, four-star, three-star, two-star, one-star... <laughs> 
on the same, you know, in the same email from the head of press. Divided critics, divided nation. Well, perhaps. in a way, it's kind of <laughs> pr perhaps um, predictable. But I think it is. It's and, and none of the, the press agree with each other at all. They're all saying completely different things. Mm. Um, and I think it dep probably depends what you come in expecting. Uh, I would just encourage people to, as most people do when they go to the theatre when the uh, when the show starts, just. I suppose one accusation I have seen made by a few different um, um, theatre critics is the charge that it's a shame this wasn't done before the referendum. Yeah, they should try it. <laughs> <laughs> they need to get real. Um, I mean, I, you know, not blowing our own trumpet, but I thought we responded pretty quickly, actually, um, because you know, trying to put that information together, um, get those gatherers out there gathering candid interviews um, that you then have to process in detail. And, you know, there's, well, I'm doing it now, there's a hell of a lot of waffle <laughs> that you have to try and get rid of to find the real um, core um, juicy bits of information. And it, it just takes a long time. And I think if we tried to do it quicker, I think we would have come up with something that's very half-baked. Um, but in a way, what you're suggesting is that when it, when it was announced that there was going to be a referendum in 12 months' time, whatever it was, we should have tried to get something in before the line. Um, mm. I mean, which which we possibly could just about have done, but 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 it was all triggered by the outcome. Yeah, it was. It, yeah. It, you know, if it had gone the other way, I think it would be nowhere near as much of a well. I mean, you know, and the knock the knock on around the around the world has been extraordinary. Yeah. I mean knock on who, who knows how much of these things are related but it feels like they are um, what I thought was really interesting about it was because the interviews were all done since the result and because we haven't had any concrete policies about what will happen mm. people are sort of trapped in this limbo where they still have the views they held mostly before but there's a slight dawning realization and I may have slightly misremembered this but there's the the Asian man in the East Midlands who talks about, oh, you know, they tell you it's land of milk and honey and it's slightly rambly. But it sets up a dawning realisation, he voted leave, I think, yeah. that yeah. something darker has been opened up by the result. Um, and certainly that's something which one's picked up in the news. I mean, there was a 41% rise in reported racial attacks in the three months um, following Brexit compared to the exact same period the year before that kind of documented. Um, and people are still trying to work out, I know in news there's, there's a whole issue of trying to work out, has, has the lid been taken off something that was always there? Um, or has something been emboldened that perhaps wasn't, people weren't conscious of? Um, and I don't know how far you felt you were able to tap into that or if it was something that emerged in your interviews. I mean, th I, I think there has been a bit of a change for a, a number of years, uh, you know, if we're talking about um, racism or xenophobia or whatever, um, but uh, you know, I, I personally I think the the uh, re referendum almost gave license to some of that, e even though that that isn't necessarily what it's about. A lot of people who in in the interviews said, uh, you know, I voted leave not because I'm a racist, not because I'm xenophobic, but for other reasons. Um, but uh, I, I I think it, it's um, certainly. Uh, introduced the debate a lot more and, uh, yeah, I, I think gave license to being able to voice that to some degree, which was pretty hard to hear. Because it isn't necessarily stuff you'd want to put on air and it isn't necessarily stuff people would say. 
I don't know if you felt, was it anything that came up in the interviews that was dark or difficult and you felt, actually, we can't put this stuff on stage? Yeah, yeah we had to go to the police with one of them. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Can you say any more about no. it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, we have to leave it there because they have to open the house for tonight's performance. Yeah. Um, but thank you both um, to Parikh Kusak and Rufus Norris. And to those of you who are going to see it tonight, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you.